So we're continuing as we go on in the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 6. And last week, we established from God's word, primarily from Genesis, what a a biblical theology concerning work looks like. And And so what did we talk about? We talked about how work is not a result of the curse. We don't work because Adam and Eve fell into sin and plunged all of humanity into sin. We don't work because of the curse. We work because God was the first worker. God worked before sin ever entered through Adam and Eve. And so work is not, you don't work and you don't work on a job that you hate because it's of the curse. No, you, you work because God created you to work. God worked and then God created us in his image and in his likeness. And because we're created in his image and his likeness, then we reflect his image in the earth when we work. And so basically the heart of that first message was establishing that work is good. Work is good. When God finished his work of creation, what did he step back and say? He said, behold, this work was very good. And then he rested on the seventh day. And so God established that work is good and work is what we do. And when we work, we reflect God. Work is good. It's from him. And so now, as I told you last week, we're gonna, now we're going to dive into Ephesians 6. And we're going to look at this text here. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. And we're, now, now we're going to talk about how are we to work. How are we to work? What, it, when we work, when we're on our jobs, how should we work? How should we conduct ourselves? What should our attitude be? How should we relate to our employer, to, to those that are in charge, our managers? How should our attitude be? What, 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 what should we do as Christians in the earth when we work? And so, as a statement here, I, I just wanted to, to start off with this. How you work is a reflection of who you belong to. How you work on your job is a reflection of who you belong to. How you work is a reflection of who your Lord is. How you work is a reflection of who your Lord is. And this is the context of this section in Ephesians 6. The context of this section in Ephesians 6 is that the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians in the early church that would have been living in, in the, under the Roman Empire that would have been under oppression and persecution. And so now these new believers, who the majority of them, it it is said that in the Roman Empire there would have been around 60 million slaves. And that was the the big portion of how work got done in the Roman Empire. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here, what he's trying to address here when we look at the text, he's trying, what what he doesn't want to, to see happen is that these Christians who are probably under some type of slave ownership with their work, He doesn't want to see them rebel against the authority in their life and cause an insurrection and that to be kind of the label that Christianity gets in society that we rebel against authority as Christians. And so he's coming to give instructions to Christians that are under that system. And so we don't have that type of system in America right now that we're living under, but we can parallel that type of the admonition Paul gave the early church there with our type of work as, employee, as employees under the, the leadership of employers. And so let's look at the text in Ephesians 6, and we'll read verses 5 through 7. It says this, bond servants, which literally means slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. 
And so in these, in these verses right here, we're going to see how we are to work. How does a Christian work? And we can't lose the context of what's going on here in this section, in the whole book of Ephesians. The way we work as believers reflects who our Lord is. That's every area of our life. The way you live as a believer in this life is a reflection of who your Lord is. If you are a believer, you claim to be a Christian. If your life has not changed, if there's not been any transformation in your life, then it is doubtful that you have ever truly been born again. Because to be born again means that the old man, the old man, meaning who you are on the inside, your desires, the way, the way you sought to live before Christ, when you become born again, that old man is buried spiritually and it's raised to newness of life and God gives you a new heart, new desires. And so then because those new desires are in place, then the way you live changes, correct? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the gospel transforms you on the inside, then that means your mouth changes. The way you talk, the way you walk, where you go, how you work, your interaction with your wife, which we talked about in the last series, your interaction with your husband, with your kids, all across the board, because we are in Christ, because we are born again, we live differently. And this is the core of what we can't forget, that even on our jobs, We're called to live different than the world does. We're called to reflect God. And we generally reflect him by working, right? That's what we looked at last week. But now, how we work reflects him. So what we're going to look at in these texts, in in these verses, is, is how should a believer, how should a believer approach his or her work? The first thing we see in the text is this, is that a believer submits to God ordained authority. A believer submits to God ordained authority. Let's go back. Ephesians 6, 5 says this, bond servants. That would be you and I that are under authority to employers and bosses and managers or any authority in our life. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. What Paul is saying here, he's literally saying, answer the door. Right? Do you remember that message to, to, to the young people a few weeks back where we talked about to obey? It's the same word. It means to answer the door. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying answer the door or obey with reverence, with fear and trembling. That, that, that fear, fear means with trembling, with, with reverence, with awe. So he's saying answer the door, obey those that are over you, those that you work for, obey with reverence and respect. And that word trembling a part of the meaning of the word trembling, and obviously it means trembling, but it, it, another part of the meaning means sincere loyalty. Sincere loyalty. So Paul is saying, answer the door, obey with reverence and respect and sincere loyalty. That's how we as believers are to respond to our boss. Those that are over us, those that are in authority over us, we're called to respect to honor, to submit, to not to rebel, to listen, to answer the door. When your boss says, I want you to do this, this, and this, we, 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 we do what? We don't ignore his knocking, right? We, or her knocking, we, we answer the door. We obey, and we, we obey with reverence, with a sense of, of awe, not of who they are, right? But what does it say there at the end? As you would Christ. Because how many of you know your boss is not Christ? On the earth, right? Your earthly boss is not Christ, right? And you would all say amen to that. But you 
submit to them. You respect them as you would Christ. You obey. As, if, if Jesus Christ walked the earth right now and he said, come, follow me, do X, Y, and Z, we would be like, we would fall on our face in reverence and awe and sincere loyalty and devotion and say, Lord, wherever you want me to go. Paul is saying here, the Lord is saying here, you should respond to your boss in that same way. Wow. That'll preach. Just let that sit for a moment. I want to remind us what God's word said last week. We read this last week, Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from who? From God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. So if somebody's in a position of authority, it's because God allowed them to be there. And we may not like the people that are in authority. We may not like what they say, what they do, their opinions and their ways. But, but when we submit to those that are in positions of authority, it's, it's as we're submitting to Christ. We're saying, God, we know that you've established authority in the earth. And that without authority, without someone in charge, then, then, then society begins to break down. There must be order. There must be structure. There must be justice. There must be, there must be government. And all these systems, even though there's corruption mixed in all of this, we don't, we, we don't submit because people deserve it. We submit because God has established it. And obviously, the caveat is, there is a caveat that, that we never submit to the government when they tell us that we should disobey God. We never submit to an authority figure that will, will encourage us to sin or to rebel against God. That's an obvious thing. But we submit to authority that God has established because God established authority. So the, 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 the submission is based upon our love for the Lord. And, and, here's, and here's, here's what I think is so important when it comes to submitting to authority. And, and I feel this way with with my children, and I kind of said it a, a few weeks back when we talked to the kids, but I believe that if there's any employers here, those that are in charge of people that, that are, are called to lead em, employees or lead staff, I believe that this would be something that they would say, that, that, that they want employees and people that are submitted to them to, to, to learn the practice of listening and following instructions. To listen. To listen. And to follow instructions. To, to do as you are asked to do how many have ever been asked to do something by your boss and you just didn't agree it wasn't immoral right it wasn't something he's telling you to do to break the law but maybe that's the case and so you don't submit to that but but you you hear the instructions and you and you're like i don't want to do that it doesn't make sense submission to authority does not have to make sense to you when you submit to your boss it doesn't have to make sense you are submitting because god has established their authority in your life. And ultimately, submission is a sign of humility. It's a sign of humility. It's a, it's a sign of saying, saying that, that, God, I understand that you are in charge, that you are in control, you set up authority, and I am going to walk in humility. I'm going to submit myself to your ways. I mean, I, 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 in my life, the bosses that I have had, I have not agreed with everything that they have said or done or asked me to do. And there's times where I would obey with gritted teeth. You guys ever done that? Or is it just me? Right? And, and, and there was rebellion in my heart. Pride in my heart. The Lord had to work on me. And I, I could go over a list of stories, but this, is, this message is not about me. Right? But I could, we could all tell stories, right? Of things that, 
employers ask us to do and it doesn't make sense and I don't want to do it and, and how come I have to do it and they don't have to do it and, and we start the comparison game we go all down that road look humility says God I am serving you I'm submitted to you and I will do the work that you called me to do I will reflect you in the earth by working and I will reflect you in the earth by working well and submitting to the authority you've placed in my life Submission is a sign of humility and rebellion is a sign of pride. James 4 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you want grace on your job and strength on your job to do the job you're called to do? Submit, humbly submit to the authority in your life and God will fill you with grace. Proverbs 18, 12 says this, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. means it's lifted up in pride. But humility comes before honor. You want honor in your life to be honored and recognized for what you're doing? Humility comes before honor. You must be humble before honor comes. God will use, listen to this, God will use the authorities he's placed in our lives to work pride out of our hearts. Do you believe that? I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in in my life. I want to tell you something. I will tell you one story. This is not in my notes, but it just came to my heart. So I'm just going to tell this story because it it, it really goes with what my next sentence is here. But have you ever had one of those, oh, oh, I understand now moments? You ever had one of those before? I had one of those. So I I used to be a youth pastor for like six months because that's as long as I could last. I wasn't called to be a youth pastor. That's a special calling, right? And so I lasted six months, and, and, and I was not married. I was single. You know, I was 20 years old. It looked like I was 10, probably. And I remember the youth group picture. You couldn't tell, who's he? Where, where's the youth pastor? There's nobody with facial hair in the whole picture. What's going on here, right? Is that guy? Right? And so... And I I remember, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically at the end, towards the end of my time there, uh, the pastor of the church there, he said, he said, I'm going to have to let you go. I was not employed, right? I wasn't getting a paycheck. It was a smaller church. But he said, we're going to have to let you go. You're going to have to move on from you as youth pastor. I was like, why? I mean, I just was devastated. I'm just, you know, I felt a calling in the ministry and 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 then it devastated me even more. And he said, because I, I sense rebellion in your heart. And I just was like, oh. And I started crying, and there's other people in the room. Board members were there. I was very intimidated and overwhelmed and just been accused of rebellion, and I did not see it. I didn't see it. I didn't get it. I leave that place, Natchez, Mississippi, and I get to Homa, Louisiana. I go to a church where I meet my wife, my future wife, and we're attending there. And I remember I was really broken. I was really struggling. I didn't understand how, what all happened. But I remember every service, at the end of the service, I'd go up to the altar and I'd pray. I'd say, Lord, what is going on? And week after week after week, the Lord revealed the pride in my heart. And he, he revealed what I could not see. And I had the, oh, I understand now moment. And I got it. And I called the pastor in Mississippi and I said, hey, can I come see you? Can I come talk to you? And I drove to Natchez, Mississippi, and I sat in his living room, and I apologized. I said, oh, I get it now. I understand now. I I, I didn't see where I was lacking. I didn't see my blind side. And and I thank God to this day 
that he told me to leave and go and come and go somewhere else because, you know, who knows where my life would have went, but that was all part of my journey. And so this is what I want to tell you. You will get to the point where you will look at your boss and those in their authority over you and you may not get it and you may not understand and they may say things to you about your character and your work ethic and you may not get it, but if you will just submit to God and his ways, you may have that moment that comes that says, oh, oh, I understand now. I get it. I may not understand now, but I will trust the Lord with where he has placed me. And I will submit to the authority over my life. A believer submits to God-ordained authority because they are under new ownership. A believer submits to God-ordained authority because they are under new ownership. Amen? So, that's the first aspect of how a believer works. How does he work? He submits to authority. Secondly, a believer understands he or she works for an audience of One, we understand as believers that ultimately we work for an audience of one. We submit to the authority that God has given us, but ultimately we are working for who? For Christ. We're submitting to an audience of one. We are working for an audience of one. And let's look at what the text says here. It says that this submission, this obedience, this working of of, of submission to those in authority over us, this should not be done, Ephesians 6, 6, not by the way of eye service. As people pleasers, but as the as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So there's two things here, Apostle Paul brings out as concerning how we should work, and he says this: not by eye service, by way of eye service, as people pleasers. And I want to talk about both of those: eye service and people pleasing. So this first idea of eye service, what it really means is this: is that is that one who only wants to look good when the master is around. One that only wants to look good when the boss is around. That's eye service. Okay? And so eye service, as we're thinking about it, eye service is an integrity issue. Would you, not, would you agree with me? Eye service is an integrity issue. So if you only want to look good and work when the boss is around, then that is an integrity issue. And it's because we're called to work for an audience of one, we understand that we're not just called to give eye service when those that are over us are around. We're called to work as unto the Lord because we realize that We work for an audience of one. Eye service means this. Eye service means that you are trying to communicate something about your work ethic that is not true. Eye service is a communication. You're trying to say something to those that are over you about your work ethic that is not true. So what what does eye service look like? It could look like a lot of things, but I don't normally bring my cell phone on stage. But because almost all of us in here have cell phones and we bring them to work... Here's what maybe eye service could look like. So I, I don't know how I'm going to illustrate this. This is an on-the-fly illustration. So you've got to have patience with me. So let's just pretend I'm on my phone here. And I'm working. You know, I'm kind of leaning over. This is, my, this is my desk. And then out of my peripheral, out of my peripheral, I see my boss. And then, I, you know, I, I, I get up. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. I'm responding to that text message or, or I put it on my ear. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we're going to get that order out to you real quick. You know, oh, yes, yes. We will make sure that, that we'll meet all of your needs. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We got you right. That's eye service. What was I doing? I was on Facebook, right? I was on ESPN seeing if Anthony Davis ever got traded or not, right? Like, and so many times, that's what we do. We're, we're distracted. We're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And when the boss walks in, we, we act like, we, we make, maybe we put it down, we go back to typing on our computer, right? That's 
eye service. It's, it's trying to communicate something that we're actually not doing, right? And so this is what the Apostle Paul says. As believers, don't give your boss eye service. Work when you're called to work. Play on Facebook when you're called to play on Facebook, right? So I, we, we, we understand that even when the boss is not there, who sees? God sees. Hebrews 4 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the the division of soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 13, and no creature. How many creatures do we have today? Are are you a creature? Okay, maybe you don't know you're a creature. You're a creature. I'm a creature. How many creatures do we have here today? We got creatures. We're all creatures, right? We're creations of God. So that means no creatures All of us is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Who do we give account to ultimately? Not our boss that walked in on us playing on Facebook, but our Lord that we serve. We give account to him. He sees and he knows. We work for an audience of one because the Lord sees and knows everything. Second thing we want to talk about is people-pleasing. So not by way of eye service, not as people-pleasers. So, so I, I thought about this people-pleasing from a different little angle here. And this is what I want to talk about. Why, why are we tempted to become people-pleasers? Why are we tempted to become people-pleasers? This is what I believe as to why we be, try to become people-pleasers. When we become people-pleasers, it is because we have misplaced our trust. When we become people-pleasers, it is because we have misplaced placed our trust trying to please people communicates that we believe that by pleasing people those that are in charge anybody we think has influence that by pleasing people we that that will get us somewhere that trusting God will not you guys follow me you don't have to please anybody but the Lord and if you will please the Lord you will please those that are over you if you will live in a way that pleases God in your life then, then that, that character and that nature and that desire to please the Lord will be fleshed out in hard work and diligence and submission to authority. You just worry about pleasing the Lord. Why waste your time trying to earn favor from man? The hard work we do is seen by God. You don't have to manufacture hard work so your boss can see it when he's around. Just be diligent. Just be faithful. The hard work we do is seen by God even when it is not seen by man. You ever felt that way on your job? Nobody sees. I'm working hard. I'm being faithful. I'm I'm working the late hours to get the project done. Nobody sees it. My boss is not there to see it. I want you to know that your greater boss, your Lord, sees it. He sees it. He sees your hard work. He sees your faithfulness, the work that you do when nobody is around. And he will honor you. We have to get out of this cycle of trying to be people pleasers because we believe that if we will please people and prove to them our worth, then we're going to get something out of it. Amen? We are trying to please the Lord. Our future blessings and promotions have nothing to do with the people we work for. Our future blessings and promotions have nothing to do with the people we work for. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. They're the ones that are going to give it to me. Nope. It's not true. It is not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Psalm 75, 6 through 7. For promotion 
cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Amen? Our future blessings and promotions have nothing to do with the people we work for. It has everything to do with the God we serve. It has everything to do with the God we serve. God sees. God knows. And your promotion and your blessings that God has in store for your life, if you would just remain faithful, work for an audience of one, be true with integrity with how you work, work when nobody is around, work when no one sees, be faithful because we know that God sees. We've all heard, if we've been around church any length of time, we've heard the story of Joseph, right? Joseph, Joseph at 17 years old was sold into slavery by his brothers and, and God was with Joseph. It says in Genesis 39 and 40 and 41, it says over and over again, God was with Joseph. And this is kind of a summary of what happened in Joseph's life. He was sold into slavery at 17 by his brothers, was faithful and promoted, was faithful and falsely accused, was faithful and forgotten again. So he was, he was promoted, he was faithful, he was promoted, he was put in charge, and he was forgotten, then he was falsely accused and put in prison, then he was promoted and he was faithful, and then he was forgotten again, and then finally he gets before Pharaoh. 23 years later, 17, 30 years old, 23 years later, faithful, 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 forgotten, but faithful, forgotten, but faithful, falsely accused, but faithful, appears at 30 years old before Pharaoh, and this is what it says, Genesis 41. This proposal pleased Pharaoh. This is Joseph interpreted the dream and gave a plan for the seven years of famine for the nation of Egypt. And and this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring and, from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot. And they called out before Joseph, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out in the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt doing what God had called him to do. That's good news. That's faithfulness. That's trusting the Lord. Even with a journey that goes kind of like this, right? That's kind of all of our journeys, right? Twists and turns and hills and valleys. But you just be faithful. Understand we work for an audience of one. Amen? How else should a believer work? Let's go to the next section here. Number three, a believer with a lazy work ethic is a contradiction. A believer with a lazy work ethic is a contradiction. Ephesians 6, 7 says this, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. So what are we called to do? We're called to submit We're called to work not by way of eye service and trying to please our boss and please people, but we're called to render service. We're called to work. We're called to be diligent. We're called to work hard, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. So a believer with a lazy work ethic is a contradiction. You ever heard somebody say about another person, man, they they have a work ethic. You ever heard that? They have a work ethic. And my answer to that is, absolutely, they have a work ethic. But that's not, that's not the right way to say it. You have to, have to ask a question after that. The question would be, what kind of work ethic? 
do you have? So to have a work ethic just says the obvious. All of us have a work ethic. The question is, is what kind of work ethic do we have? And so we all know what Scripture says about laziness, right? So let's just, let's read. Let's remind ourselves. You guys ready to be reminded of what God's Word says about laziness? Colossians three twenty three says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Work hard at it. Push against laziness. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise without having any chief, officer, or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? How long will you, when will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands, hardworking hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12.11 says this, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And lastly, Proverbs 14.23, all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. You ever heard somebody just talk about doing something? Yeah. That drive you crazy, right? At some point, we're just, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a plan. We're, 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 you know, we're going to do it. Like, and some, some people are good planners, right? But they're not good doers. At some point, you've got to quit planning and you've got to start doing, right? All hard work means a profit, but mere talk, just talking about it, it leads to poverty. You have to work. And so here's, here's what we have to understand that as believers, we're called to work hard. And I know we're all, we're all there. I'm there with you. We can all have a tendency, a temptation to move towards laziness. We have to resist that temptation and realize that our hard work, our diligence and our faithfulness reflects the God that we submit to, reflects the God that we submit to. Laziness in our work comes from misplaced motivation. When we only see our work as a means to accumulate wealth and possessions or to put food on the table, we can more easily fall into the temptation to be lazy. We are working for something far greater. Listen, we are working for something far greater than daily provisions and accumulating possessions. When we push past the temptation towards laziness and we work with enthusiasm, with goodwill, as unto the Lord... We are reflecting the image of our Father God and bringing Him glory. Hard work honors the Lord. We push past the temptation to be lazy. So we submit to authority. We work for an audience of one and we work hard to reflect the image of God. And then lastly, as we, as we end here in Ephesians 6, it says this, that this fourth thing that we're going to see here as, of how believers are to work, it's kind of some, this, this is a summary point. Submission to authority, faithfulness and hard work are matters of the heart. They're matters of the heart. Let's go back to the text. Let's read the whole section there, Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. And I highlighted this emphasis here. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a... You'll never submit to authority in your life, and you will always struggle with rebellion and pride unless the Lord changes your heart. God, have a heart change. It, it takes a sincere Heart, a heart that's submitted to God and his authority that will impact you to be able to submit to those that God has placed over you. It starts in the heart. 
as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. From the heart. That, 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 that desire to, to work for an audience of one and that recognition of, of working hard, it comes from the heart. That need to work hard comes from the heart. This swindering of the service, it comes with a good will. That, that phrase, good will, in the original language is translated whole heart with enthusiasm. The whole heart with enthusiasm. So we have a sincere heart. We work doing the will of God from the heart and we work with the whole heart with enthusiasm unto the Lord and not to man. Submission to authority, faithfulness, hard work. These are all matters of the heart. The heart is symbolic for the center of our affections and desires. Just as our physical heart is the central place that pumps life to our body, right? Without the heart, our body doesn't function. It pumps blood everywhere so we can live and move. In that same way, our spiritual heart is the center of who we are and it impacts our physical body as well. That who we are on the inside, our desires, who we really are, it impacts our physical body. Luke 6 says this, Jesus said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. You will work hard and diligent and be faithful where God's planted you. If your heart is in it, your heart is in the right place. A good man brings out good things from the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What the heart is full of will come out in your life. It will come out in your speech. It will come out in your work ethic. It will come out in your submission to authority, what your heart is full of. Other translations say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why, hear me, hear me, we're, we're, we're concluding here. This is why it is of utmost importance that we guard our hearts. We must guard against influences that will begin to steer the direction of our affections. You, did, you, did you catch that? We must guard against influences that will begin to steer the direction of our affections towards things that are spiritually harmful for us. We must guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else do what why for everything you do flows from it not your physical heart you need to guard your physical heart so you won't have a heart attack yes absolutely but we're talking about our spiritual heart guard what you are attracted to and what your affections are 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 tempted to go towards guard your heart guard the influences so that your life will be different and change and it will influence the world around you and will bring glory to Christ. You cannot bring glory to Christ in the way you talk, in the way that you live, in the way that you work, in all the areas of your life unless your heart is submitted to Christ. And this is a process, right? This is a process of daily being sanctified and saying, Lord, every day, here's my heart. Take my affections. Take my loves. Take the things that I give my time to, Lord, and sanctify it. Strip away those things that are not good, those things that lead me away from you so that I can live in ways that honor you. Amen? Above all else, guard your affections for everything you do flows from it. Our prayer needs to be that every area of our life would bring glory to Christ. 
the way we talk, the way we interact with our friends and our coworkers, in our marriages, in our relationship with our children and our grandchildren, and what we're talking about today in our work, the way we work, our commitment to what God has called us to. I, w- I want to say this right here, right now. The commit, you, you, must, you have to have a commitment to what you're called to. And we established last, last week the work that you're doing is the work you're called to. The job you find yourself on is the work you're called to. And until God gives you another job, you're called to that job, right? We have to be committed to the calling that God has on our lives. Oh, we will not, we will not be given more to be faithful over unless we are committed to what he's given us. People say, I want a better job. I want to make more money. I need to have this and that and the other. And I, and I need a promotion and I want to have greater influence. I want you to know that will never come in any of our lives unless we prove to be faithful and stay committed. So I want to tell you, don't quit your job. Don't give up. Don't quit. Some of you right now this morning, you feel like I just want to quit my job. I've had it up to here with everything. Don't quit your job with that mindset. Maybe you are to move on from the job. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But don't quit out of frustration, out of anger, and out of not agreeing with what's going on. Just stay faithful. Think about Joseph. What he went through. Think about people in your life you've seen that have been faithful, that have made it through all kind of crazy stuff. It's just, it's, 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 it's a commitment. It's a faithfulness. It's a trust. But it all comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. God sees. God knows. He'll honor your faithfulness. In all of these things and much more, we should desire that God would be glorified in all of these things. And that comes from our heart. I want to close with this scripture. This is the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul and his ministry example, his example in his life and what, he's, what he went through, persecution he went through, the beatings and the lashings and the shipwrecks and, and just, just, just being 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 distraught and, and, and abused for the sake of the gospel. But he persevered and he was faithful. And I love his heart in Philippians 1, 20 through 22. It says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, I love this, this is so good. Lord, let it be true of me, Lord. Let it be true of us, Lord. But we'll have sufficient courage. We need courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, in my life. We need courage that we will persevere so that Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. It will mean that I get to have fruitful labor in this life, bringing glory to Christ. He was talking about the gospel mission that God had called him to, to take the gospel all, all over, all over the region, all over the world where he was called to. But this fruitful labor that we're called to takes many different shapes and sizes in the places that God has called us to. And if we're in the body, we want fruitful labor that will glorify God, that will glorify Christ. Amen? Just stand your feet with me. I just really felt when I read that statement about commitment, I just really felt there are some of you here this morning, you are really struggling with your job right now. Just really struggling with it. I just, I just want to charge you again. Hang in there. It's going to be okay. 
It's going to be okay. You just keep persevering. Keep working hard. Keep being faithful. Work for an audience of one. Work hard. Be diligent. Don't worry about whether men see what you're doing and all the things that come into play whenever you disagree with what's going on or you're struggling. Maybe difficult co-workers, all those things. Just stay faithful. Stay committed. God sees and God knows and it won't always be that way. It won't always be that way. And when you get on the other side, you'll have one of those, ah, I understand now. Those are good moments. I love those moments. We wish we had those moments before all the bad stuff happened, right? Wouldn't that be nice if God did that for us? Here, let me tell you how it's all going to work out before you got to walk down the road. That would be good, wouldn't it? So, but then we wouldn't have those, ah, oh, I understand now. And those, ah, oh, I understand now moments. You know what that does? You look back and you think, ah. Oh, God, you were so faithful right there. And you were so faithful right there. If I would have went that road, that would have been terrible for me. But you just, you had me go here and you had me stay there. And you you encouraged me not to quit. and, And I persevered and I trusted in you. And now I see it. Now I understand it. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you for your people, for your children here today. Your sons and your daughters. Many different situations and places, jobs things they're having to deal with, with the work you've called them to. Lord, I pray specifically for those that are struggling with their employment, struggling with their boss, with their work, with coworkers, whatever is going on there. I pray that they would persevere, that they would stand on their faith and their trust in the Lord, and that they will work as unto, unto you and not to man. And they will trust you with the results. And that one day, we know that we will have an awe, oh, I understand moment. Whether it's this life or it's in heaven when we're with you, we will understand and we will see why it is that our life has taken this journey that it's taken. But we submit to you. We trust you with our work. We want to glorify you in everything that we do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And in agreement, we all say, Amen. Amen.